could take a seat for a moment. Just going to welcome everyone here, the CFC family and friends, uh, those that are here, those that are watching online, glad to have all of you here and, and also watching online this morning. Amen. I just wanted to share, since we're in phase three of opening uh, for COVID, we want to make sure everybody uses still hand sanitizers coming in. But I found out, and I want to share this with y'all, a way you could test yourself for COVID. I've heard that one of the first symptoms you have is you lose taste. So I said, I put this brain to work. And I said, you know what I could do? After church today, I'm going to Mr. Ronnie's. I'm going to buy three dozen donuts. And I think I'm going to test my taste buds three times a day for 12 days. And if my wife complains, I'm going to say, Bab, it's about my health. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, if I can't taste the donut, then I'll be, then we go, we'll go to our regular doctor. <laughs> so, again, just want to welcome everyone here. Uh, ask you to uh, please follow us on Facebook, uh, Christian Fellowship Church Facebook app, uh, not app, Facebook uh, page. Uh, we do uh, have our live sermons there where you can watch every Sunday morning in case you're out of town, sick, and not able to be here. Uh, we do keep all updates on that page. That's the best source to stay up to date with changing announcements and things like that. So just go to Facebook uh, and, and follow us from there. Uh, also, we have a CFC uh, church app that you could download on your phone. The best way to do that is to go to our website, which we'll talk about later. But on the website, you'll see this little image on the page. Click it on there. And it's a ministry one app, but it'll link you to the church where you could also watch sermons later on. Not live at, at, at the time it's happening, but uh, previous sermons are automatically linked there. We also have a YouTube channel in case you don't have Facebook. Uh, it's uh, Christian Fellowship Church, Pastor Scott Sheremy, and uh, you can watch the videos. There's no announcements or things like, like that um, when, when things are happening, but you can watch the church services there. And we also have the church website. And uh, which is uh, www.welcometocfc.com. You go on there, you can watch uh, previous sermons, things you could give online on that app also. Uh, just a reminder, those of you that have kids from 6 to 11, uh, they do uh, show their Sunday morning service, which they are having right now, New Generations. Uh, in case your children can't make it uh, uh, during that morning, uh, at 7 o'clock tonight, they're going to be premiering showing on on their uh, Facebook page, uh, New Generations Live, uh, things there so your kids don't have to miss out. And as an adult, if you're wondering what they're doing back there, you can see it and watch and uh, see all, all the things they're doing back there. Uh, one other quick note is, um, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Wednesday evenings, we're back, uh, started uh, this Wednesday, last Wednesday we started uh, meeting again. Just want to remind everyone, uh, the adults, we're going to continue our prayer revival which is a prayer meeting uh, from 7 to 8 on those days. And again, prayer revival is not we're here praying for revival. We're trying to revive prayer in the house of God. Jesus says, my father's house will be a house of prayer. And I always thought, thought about, you know, how many times in the long ago you used to see all these prayer meetings in churches. It was almost uh, on a weekly schedule, but that kind of just disappeared. You know, and other activities took place, and, and we're going to have this meeting and that meeting, and the house of God has slowly moved away from the house of prayer. And so that's why we're uh, praying every Wednesday night, 
the adults, uh, we have kids club uh, three through 11. So kids three through 11 will go to that. And they also have the youth uh, that night from uh, 12, ages 12 through 19. So uh, what I wanted to say is I want to just ask if, if God would put on your heart, we're looking to have a few more nursery workers. Um, we, we have seven of them. If you love babies, you want to help out in there on Sunday mornings. Um, we, I think we have seven nursery workers now. Uh, we'd like to get about 10 where uh, we do put two people in the nursery at a time that one person's not by themselves in there. But the more we have, the less you have to do right. If we could have 10, then it's every, only every, uh, every five weeks you'd have to uh, be in the nursery for that one service. So we're trying to get at least three more. We, we'll take as many as want to, but we, we'd like to try and get at least three more where we could have 10 uh, on there. Again, if you, if you and your friend want to say, look, uh, we want to do it together, you know, that's, that's perfect. We'll get with Sister Wendy, line that up. There's an a actual uh, form in the back in the fire table you could pick up and fill that out and let us know and we'll get you on that schedule again uh, we're trying to get it that you it's only once a month maximum that you have to be in there uh, so again it helps out do you do you know, realize that's actually ministry ministry the word ministry and minister is not what i'm doing here it's part of it but minister to minister and ministry is to give aid where is needed and sometimes parents with young kids, uh, children, need to be hearing the word of God, and you could give them that opportunity, and you're providing a service, a need for that family. So I just want to encourage you for that. Okay, so I just want to say happy birthday to anyone having a birthday between now and next Sunday. Anyone in here? No? Anyone online? We want to say happy birthday if you are. Uh, Kevin just had his 50th birthday this week. Uh, welcome. Kev Kevin's at work right now. So, uh, wait, on the back, we got somebody having a birthday? You're, you having a birthday? Jordan, didn't you just have a birthday? Okay, so, oh, real close. Did y'all get each a cake or y'all had shared one? Oh, you got to get each a cake. You got to, <laughs> well, happy birthday. Amen, let's, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Anyone else with a birthday? All right, what about anyone having an anniversary between now and next Sunday? Raise your hand. Dwayne and Mary, happy anniversary. How many years, Dwayne? 26, is he right? Probably. <laughs> you see, once you get so many, that's what we're, we're thinking the other day, our anniversary is coming up in the end of November. How many years? Then you got to start thinking and breaking up the calculator. And uh, 2020, year we got married. <laughs> so we're going to be 30, 34. Y'all remind me of that. So, uh, but that's in the end of November. But uh, happy anniversary to Dwayne and Mary. Amen. And anyone online watching. All right. So what we want to do uh, is one quick reminder. There's no slide for this. Uh, since we started having our, our prayer meetings again, we did uh, anoint some more uh, prayer cloths. This one don't go in there. Uh, which are in this basket here. So if you would need a prayer cloth, I think there's about uh, 10 or so left in there. Uh, when we pick up the offering after a while, you're more than welcome to just come get one if you need it. Uh, the little paper explains what it's all about. We have a prayer cloth that was anointed and prayed over and those things. So, again, that basket on that side every week we're going to, uh, uh, for prayer meeting, we'll be praying over prayer cloths that you could uh, take, take home with you. So as we get ready to receive our tithe and offerings this week, uh, I just want to share how you, could, how you can give. 
question me. Ooh, I cough. Somebody got a donut? <laughs> you could go to, uh, if you're not here and watching online, you could go to uh, www.welcometocfc.com and give secure online there. Or you could actually mail it through the post office. That's post office box 1427, La Rosa, Louisiana, 70373. Or you could drop it off Monday through Wednesday from 9 to 3. That's when the church office hours are open. And naturally, those that are here today, uh, we, starting something di- we started something different now, and we're probably going to continue it. when we, uh, Instead of the ushers going down and picking up the offering, we placed three baskets here that we act that, you know, the word says to bring to God, and that's what we, uh, I like being, getting up and coming, bring it here, but if you're unable to walk up front, I know there's some people you may have uh, injuries and things, we do have a, a little uh, offering box in the foyer always, so when you coming in or going out, you could drop it in there also. All right, so let's go ahead and just uh, read our scripture today for our offering. We actually have three of them today. The first one is Psalms uh, chapter 50, verse 14, where it says, Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. And Psalms 136, 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And Psalms 103, verse 2 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Amen. So if you would, let's stand to our feet. And hold your offering in your right hand. Repeat after me. Say, as I give in today's offering, I remember all the good things you have done for me. I remember your great mercy that you freely gave me when I didn't deserve it. I remember receiving your blessings and your abundance. You caused me to prosper in my way. You gave me the power to achieve. I will not forget all your benefits and goodness toward my life. I give today with a heart filled with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. So if you would, as Crystal is going to begin playing on the uh, piano, if you have your offering, we have three baskets up front here. Just make your way up each aisle and come uh, bring your offering. tell you another reason why I like that is the cuteness factor. I love seeing those little kids coming up and they're so happy to put in there. It's so cute. Amen. Amen. So we're going to have our call to worship this morning as we get ready to worship the Lord today. Amen. How many of you is glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Our call to worship this month of October is from Psalms uh, 34, verses 1 through 4. This is the Living Bible. 
uh, translation. It says, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I will constantly speak of his glories and grace. I will boast of all his kindness to me. Let all who are discouraged take heart. Let us praise the Lord together and shout his name. For I cried to him and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Father, we just come to you this morning. Father, we humble ourselves, Father God, before you today. And Father, we come here to worship you, Father God. Father, I pray that your spirit would move in this place this morning, Father. Father, that uh, each and every person, Father God, would enter into a time of worship, Father God, and you would meet each and every person, Father God, at their, their need in their life this morning, Father God. Those watching online, those that are in here, Father God, open up uh, our spirits to receive a refreshing from you this morning. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray, and everyone says, Amen. Let's put our hands together as we worship the Lord.
Everything about you is in your presence. When you show up, everything about you shows up. The great healer, the great provider. It's not that you show up in parts, but you show up in whole through your spirit, Father. And Father, you know each and every need of every single person in the sound of my voice today, whether it be in this building or watching online right now, Father. Father, I just pray that your presence would surround us right now, Lord God. Father, that every captive be set free today, Father God. That every blind eye be open today, Father God, to the truth of your gospel, to the truth of your word. 
Father, that every deaf ear be open today to the truth of your gospel and the truth of your word. Father, that every hardened heart be softened today, that it can receive your word, Father God. And that your word can take root in the heart of each and every person here this morning. Father, I pray for each and every one of our minds that we're able to comprehend the truths of the Spirit this morning, Father God. Father, we come against any attack that the enemy would uh, try and throw to hinder this service from your people receiving your word, whether it be in here or at home. Father, we just say, have your way in our lives today. Father, we pray that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Father. Father, we pray that thy will be done in the United States as it is in heaven, Father God. Father, we pray that thy will be done in Louisiana as it is in heaven, Father. Father, we pray that thy will be done in Lafourche Parish as it is in heaven, Father. Father, we pray that thy will be done in La Rose, Louisiana, as it is in heaven. Father, we pray that thy will be done in Christian Fellowship Church as it is in heaven. Father, we pray that thy will be done in each and every one of our lives as it is in heaven. Father, just move across this place, Father God. Move across this place. Just lift up your arms, your hands for a moment and receive from the Lord. Lord, move. Touch us. Draw us closer to you today, Father. Father, we want nothing more than to be closer to you, Father God, and to be walking in the will and purpose that you have for each and every one of us, Father God, that we could fulfill the destiny that you created us for. That we can walk in the promises and purposes that you've created us for. Father, that we can become spiritually mature. Not tossed by every wave that comes our way, Father God. But that we are able to hold on, that as we wait patiently upon the Lord. Father, 2020 was nothing but a storm. And that, but no storm is bigger than you. As Jesus could speak to any storm, peace be still. So Father, I just pray that no matter how much the storm is raging outside, that in each, inside of each and every one of us, we could be walking in the peace that you give, Father God. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray. And everyone says... Amen, amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Come on, give him your best praise this morning. We worship you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. You can be seated. I want to dismiss our kids three, four, and five to their class as, uh, as we transition here. Thank you, musicians. Another fabulous job. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a hand clap. And Amen. If you have your notes uh, from this morning and last week, you could take them out. Um, if you have your Bible, you can open it to the book of Ruth. <coughs> I'm basically teaching out the first seven verses of the book of Ruth. 
and these seven verses are going to actually go into at least a part three because I realized today or yesterday as I'm studying that I'm still not. <laughs> it, uh, last week I told I said I probably wouldn't finish last week, and we we, we barely touched the first half of the first verse, which we're still going to be talking about this morning. We got seven more verses we want to go through. Last week I came with five pages of notes and didn't finish. Today I got seven pages of notes, so I don't think I'm finishing uh, with, with those things. So, but get out your notes uh, again. If you did not listen to last week's uh, message, I encourage you to go online, uh, listen to it. Uh, I think they have some sermon notes in the back because I'm not going to be able to, I'm going to try to limit this review to about five minutes uh, of last week because it, it's important we understand what's going on and where this is taking us. Amen. So I'm going to take a sip of water, then we're going to peel out. All right. Amen. Amen. But this message is entitled, Wait on the Lord. And, it, and it's, it's basically that when things aren't going our way, we need to learn to wait on God. Right? We need to learn to wait on God. Because the enemy comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. And I'm going to go back over this a little bit today. But he's going to come in and make things look like it's the right thing to do. Offer you things, shortcuts, ways to draw you away from God. That's all he wants to do. He wants to sever the relationship that you have with the Lord. That's his purpose. That's all he wants to do, to steal, kill, and destroy. To destroy the purpose and plan that God has for your life. And, and we're going to see this uh, through, but I'm, we're going to start again with the very first uh, scripture, is wait on the Lord. In Psalms 27, 13 through 14, those of you that just have your notes from today, uh, this is in there right now. It says, verse 13 says, I remain confident of this. And I told them last week to circle that word remain because that's it, it, that theme of remaining with God, remaining with God, waiting on God is what we're talking about. But I love the way it says remaining confident of this. It means that, uh, again, I, I, let's read the whole thing and then I'll explain. He says, I, remaining confident of this. This is what he's confident of. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Now notice he's saying, I'm confident of this, although I don't see it right now. I'm in a storm right now, but I am confident because of the God I serve that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then verse 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. How many of you know sometimes we're kind of too impatient with God, right? We want the Burger King God. Drive through window, and I'm going to tell you how I want. I want it my way. This is how I want everything to be. And so we understand that if we need to uh, be patient with the Lord. And last week, uh, you're going to go, have to go back. I talked about, and we read about where the, the parable of the sower of the seed. And that one, only one out of the four seeds that were sown took root and lasted. The other three faded away. And that's what we were talking about, that if you're not careful, if you don't have your roots in the word, the roots in the ground, that if you're not patient, the enemy's going to come and somehow bring chaos in your life, somehow bring everything that you don't 
wait and you don't mature and you don't grow. That he's going to pull you away in some kind of direction that you think is a good direction to go in. So, quickly, you're going to have to go back last week to pick up more on that stuff, but let, let's read Ruth 1, 1 through 7. We're, we're going to be talking about and We're basically going to be just hopefully getting to, through verse 2 today uh, in, in speaking uh, this morning. But So you get the picture of this. Now, Ruth is a, is a pretty happy uh, uh, book in the Bible where it's a, it's a, uh, a girl, a, a Moabite girl, Ruth, who ends up being with the God's chosen people? She was, a, you know, a, a, she was she was a pagan. She wasn't an Israelite. And she, it, the ending of this book is great, but the first seven verses is a tragedy. And that's what we're going to talk about because th- this family was with God in the promised land, and they left. The enemy was able to somehow come in and trick them into leaving from where God had them to do nothing but kill, steal, and destroy. So let's look at verses 1 through 7. It says, in the days, this is Ruth 1 through 7, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judea, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. This man's name was Emelech. His wife's name was Naomi and the the names of his two sons were um, Malon and Kilon. They were uh, Ephorites from Bethlehem, Judea, and they went to Moab to live there. Now, Emelech's, now Emelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Ophrah and one other Ruth. They had lived there about ten years. Both Malon and Kilon also died there. So Naomi's there, her husband dies, her two children die. Uh, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. But uh, when Naomi heard in Moab, verse 6, that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing them food, she and her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. With the two daughters-in-laws, uh, she set the place where uh, she had been li- living and set off on the road that would take her back uh, to the land of Judah. Now this is where we're talking about the, these seven chapters. They left the promised land, destruction comes in their life, and Naomi begins going back with her two daughter-in-laws. And this is what I want to just share this morning quick again in Isaiah fourteen twelve, which I may have left on your uh, notes, I'm not sure, uh, maybe not. But this is where we talked about how the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is the description of Satan, and this is where the word Lucifer comes from. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 says, How you have fallen from heaven, and his name is in the Hebrew is morning star, son of the dawn. Now the Hebrew word for morning star, when it changes into the Latin, it means Lucifer, which also means light bringing. Morning star, which you're thinking of like a sun rising, and light bringing. That's what that word Lucifer translates as. He says, son of the dawn. He says, you have been cast down the earth, you who once laid low the nations. And then uh, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, and no wonder for Satan himself this masquerades as what? An angel of light. 
So you see, one of the ways he steals, kills, and destroys your life is he comes in like he's bringing light, coming disguised as an angel of light. Your thinking is something good for your life when the whole intention is to destroy and kill you. It deceives you. You think it's good. And we, we talked about that last week in the Garden of, of Eden. What happened? That, you know, it would be great if he would come and it would just sound doom and gloom on your life. You'd say, oh, surely I don't want that. But he said, why don't you take a bite of the apple? It's pleasing to the eye. It's good for food. And it's great for gaining wisdom. They said, wow, that's great. That looks so great. Guess what? He was deceiving them, thinking he was bringing light and bringing something good to their life, but all he was doing was bringing death and destruction. So we need to be careful of, of those things. Now, I just want to, uh, again, quickly, this is the last part from last week. Uh, again, we had an hour and something last week on, on what we were talking about there. <coughs> but I'm going to jump to verse 19, I mean verse 21, Ruth 1, 21. And this is what it talks about Naomi. Again, when, when, when she's coming back after her husband died, all these things. But the key we need to see is this. She says this. I went away, what? Full. But the Lord has brought me back empty. You see, there's consequences when we leave the Lord. And when we leave where he has us and what we're, what we're supposed to be doing. When we leave the purpose of, of, of his, that he created us for to chase after our own dreams. To chase after all these things that the enemy wants to sh show your way. And I, what we talked about last week, notice what she says. It, the, the very first said, part says, I went away. God never sent her away from the promised land. It was a choice they made. They thought, again, where they went to Moab, uh, uh, last week, uh, again, get, get, get these notes. Where, it's quickly to understand where Moab was. Moab was founded uh, when Lot, Lot was uh, taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot's wife turned back, and she died, right? Turned into a pillar of salt. You remember that? Again, I, I know this is going fast, but I explained it more last week. So listen to that. And so what happens, Lot's with his two daughters left, and they're living in a cave. And the two daughters say, well, how will our lineage carry on? How would our family carry on? And they came up with this brilliant idea that they're going to get their father Lot drunk and have sex with him and get pregnant from their fathers to carry on the family. And I talked to you about that last, last uh, week a little bit, is that, you know, they were in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah where all sexual, everything was horrible. And not only were they in the city, I believe the city got inside of them. Because that's where that idea came from. Because it was, think, so one of the children that, that uh, one of his daughters had was Moab, which is the land of Moabites. And that's where that comes from. So they're leaving the promised land, Naomi and her family. They're leaving the promised land where God promised and said, Yo, this is where you need to be to go to that city. And what that city reminds me of, the looking back. With the life I used to live. Somehow the enemy wants to pull you from where God has you and pull you from where God wants you to be, pull you from your purpose to take you back to your old life. 
take them to pulpit. So let's go to part two, where we're at today. Again, I know that was quick, but that's just a quick little foundation of what we talked about last week going into this. But we see that they're getting ready to leave the promised land. We're going to be focusing on Route 1-1 again in a minute. But I want you to understand that there will always be trouble in the land. Jesus tells us in John 16.33, says this. This is on your papers now. John 16.33, I have told you these things so that where? In me. There's the important part. We have to stay in him, in that relationship with him to the Heavenly Father. That in him you may have peace. But I cannot tell you that out of him you won't have peace in your life. He's saying if you remain in me, if you stay with me, you, you can have peace in your life. But apart from me, there's going to be chaos. He says, but in this world, you will have trouble. But he's not saying you still can't have peace. You understand? He's saying even when this world that will bring trouble, you can still live in peace. He says you, you can have peace. He says in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world, but take heart. I have come, come, get, uh, uh, overcome the world. In other words, he's saying I will, I will wait patiently because I know who my victor is. I will remain confident, as Proverbs says, I will remain confident of this. That even though this world may look chaotic and a mess, I can still have peace if I remain in the relationship with my Father. <coughs> Excuse me. Anybody got a donut? That's going to be my new thing. Every time I cough, I'm going to ask for a donut. I've got to take a COVID test. Amen. <laughs> So let's look at Ruth 1.1. Amen. It says this. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So I want to talk about a couple of famines that were in the land at that time. Number one, or letter A, is there was a material famine in the land. Now, <clears throat> famine simply means a severe shortage of something, usually food. And this, it was a food shortage, but there was other things, you know, uh, going on. So I'll just put down a material things. There's, there's things you, they needed in their life that was no longer there. Okay? So there was a severe famine. And again, I want you to understand that at this time, uh, Naomi and her family was in the promised land, but there was a famine in the land because the people of God, the Israelites, like we all do, begin not serving Him the way we're supposed to. Begin doing things, begin letting the world creep in and different things, and so they find themselves in, in, in a famine, but it still is the promised land. And this is what I want to equate this to. If you're, st you're a Christian, you're still a Christian, but you may be facing a famine in this land, in your life, troubles in your life, but hold still, don't give up, don't backslide, don't go away from the Lord and say, forget it. See, there's a material famine, and, and this is what I want you to understand. Sometimes when we're lacking certain things, and again, it, a lot of times it deals in, in our flesh that uh, we begin to make compromise in our life. 
If we think about when Jesus was tempted, okay, and we're talking famine, food, Jesus was tempted by Satan. What did he come to do? What did Satan come to do to Jesus? To kill, steal, and destroy him. Destroy his purpose, God put him here. Jesus is fasting 40 days. So there's a food shortage, right? By 12 o'clock, people would be starving here, right? And then your mind starts drifting. Where, Where are we going? Where are we going to eat? But there's a lack that he has, and that's when Satan comes and offers him what seems to be great plans of how he don't have to go to the cross and won't have to suffer that stuff and still kind of get what you wanted. He's the saying says, if you just bow down and worship me, everything you see here will be yours. And if you're not careful, you'll fall for his tricks. You'll fall for those things. But Jesus says, says this, Jesus answered in Matthew 4, 4, It is written, man shall not live on what? Bread alone, the material things in this world, the, the, the uh, fleshly food, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that's why we have to remain confident uh, when we say these things, as Proverbs said, to remain confident in the Lord that even though there's a drought now, my God will provide. So let's, again, look quickly in Genesis uh, 25 through 29. And I'm talking about decisions we make uh, in this world when we're, when we're lacking and in stress and all these things, when there's some type of famine in our life. And most of you are familiar with this where Jacob uh, it says, once Jacob was cooking some stew and Esau came in from the open country, and what was he? Famished. He hadn't eaten. He was starving. And he says this, he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. Now that might have been Cubillon, I'm not sure. Um, He says, I'm famished. That is why he's also called Edom. But at verse 31, Jacob says this, first sell me your birthright. Now for you to understand what a birthright was, was was a position in the family. He was the firstborn son, so he will take the head and be the patriarch of the family when the father dies. He says, first, get rid of that. Give it to me. Then he is also entitled to a double portion of the inheritance that all the other siblings have. Think about that. And he says, for a bowl of stew... In other words, throw away your future for this. Because there's a famine. You make bad decisions. See, you got your whole life and eternity set in front of you. And Satan's saying, let me offer you this. Give up your eternity. Come back. Come back to the old life. Come back to the old way of life. Then it goes on to say, uh, verse 32, here's where you make bad choices, bad decisions. He says, look, I am about to die, Esau said. So what good is the birthright to me? 
Again, when you're thinking, birth, right, thinking about being born again, the birth, new life. He's saying, what good is it to me, my suffering right now, what good is it to me for that? But the famine, the lack, what he's going through at the moment made him sacrifice his whole future for a 10 cents bowl of stew. Verse 33, but Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave him some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and got up and left. And notice what this last part says. So Esau despised his birthright. In other words, he looked down on his birthright. His birthright, everything that was promised, he kind of devalued because of the crisis he was in. His whole future, head of the family, half of dad's inheritance, he said this bowl of stew is equal to that. See how the enemy comes to steal? He wants to steal your future. He wants you to think that this little thing, because you're going through a struggle, because you're, you're facing some type of famine in the land, that he wants you to go back. So material famine was first. The second, next thing we're going to see is that what, there was a spiritual and moral famine in the land also. Spiritual and moral famine in the land. Now I want you to understand your morals are what you believe personally and people have different moral standards. Right? Spiritual is what God says. The word of God that cannot be compromised that is true. That you can't... You can't and I, I want you to understand that if you have a, a, a strong spiritual background in your life, a strong spiritual relationship with the Lord, uh, the Lord, it will mold your earthly, worldly value, moral system. Right? You see, that there's people in this world that honestly think, well, stealing's not wrong. I could do, but why I'm stealing is, is, is changes and mor different moral values and different things that... Is just what they feel. But we can't live by what you think is right. Is right. There's the spiritual standard that God says, no, this is right. This is wrong. It's plain and simple. But there's a spiritual and moral uh, famine in the land. Notice what it says in Ruth, uh, chapter 1, the very first part of it. In, in the days when the judges ruled, there was famine in the land. In the days when the, who ruled? The judges. Now, if you notice in your Bible, if you're open to Ruth chapter 1, just turn one page back. And you're going to be in the last chapter of Judges. And I want you to see what the last verse in Judges says before we go into Ruth. Notice this. 
Judges 21, I'm going to actually read 20, verse 24 and 25. It says, At that time, the Israelites left that place and went home to their tribes and clans, each to his own inheritance. And notice this. In those days, Israel had no what? King. Everyone did as they saw fit. You catching this? When we think of King Jesus, they had no king, one ruler saying this is right or wrong. They all went their separate ways and done what they thought was fit. What they thought was right. Problem is, what I think is right and what you think is right may be two totally different things. But the king would say, no, this is the law. This is where it's at. So we see that not only did they have a, uh, a famine in the land of material things and food, there was spiritual and moral famine in the land. They all went and did what they wanted. What they thought was right in their own eyes. And, and when you, you study these times, these times for Israel was marked with lawlessness, as everyone did what they thought, as they saw fit, with idolatry, with false religion, with theft, drunkenness, homosexuality, sexual perversion, violence, and national division. Each one went their own way. So God says, yeah, I have you in the promised land, but look the way you're living. And this is where God had to bring... In the Old Testament, it was custom that God would also use famines to bring people back to Him. When things were going, when things got out of order, He brought famine in the land to restore and draw people back to Him. But when, when I was reading this, lawlessness, idolatry, false religion, theft, drunkenness, homosexuality, perversion, violence, and national division, guess what I thought of? United States of America. Could God be trying to bring our nation back with, with all? Think of everything going on in 2020. Could God be using these things to wake His children up, to wake this nation back up? Now, can, can I, I also want to tell you if you don't wake up, consequences come. You see, in the Old Testament, God also used famine as a tool of discipline. When God's people stray away from Him, He often uses famine to reach out and call them back. Let's look at a couple of verses here in the Bible. Deuteronomy eleven sixteen through 17. He says, Be careful, or you will be what? Enticed to turn. The enemy's going to come. Hey, look at this. Entice means it, it tempts you. That I'm gonna, maybe there's something better. Maybe it's something better I need, uh, he has for me. He says, be careful that you, you, or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. And l let me just stop there for a second. A lot of times in American culture, we start thinking about other gods. Oh, well, 
I don't have a little Buddha that I worship. I don't have a, nothing else, all these things. But what, which was portrayed a lot in those days, those type of things. But anything you put before your relationship with God has become a God in your life. Anything that has more importance than your relationship and your calling in life is a God in your life. Verse 17 says that if, if you're enticed to turn away, he says, then the Lord's anger will burn against you. And notice those next four words at the end. And who will shut? He will shut. See, we go through things in life, and part of it is our bad decisions. Part of it is the enemy will attack you. But sometimes the Lord shuts the heavens. Sometimes the Lord brings the famine to, to bring correction to his people. He says, he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain and, and, the, uh, rain and the ground will not yield no produce. And you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. And this is what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about when, when you're thinking about Naomi and her family, how they were in the promised land, but everything began worshiping false idols, all these things, and God shut the heavens and the famine came on the land. And he says, soon you will perish from the good land the Lord has given you. And they leave that area. Second Chronicles 7, 13 and 14 uh, says this. Most people just quote verse 14, but notice what verse 13 starts with. When I shut up the heavens. When I shut the heavens. When I close the blessings. He says, so that so there is that there is no rain. He says, or I command the locusts to devour the land and send a plague among my people. Notice who he sends it against? His people. God's people. He says, verse 14 says, But if my people who are called by my name, are we Christians? And we're going into being called by Christ's name, Christ-like Christians. If people who are called by my name will, number one, knock down the pride in their life, humble themselves... That, that's where it starts with, humbling themselves. Because what was the original sin? Where did it start? With pride. It all starts with the pride. Trying to take position and place that is not in your authority that God never gave you. Satan said, I will place myself. It never was given to him. He says, if my, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. This is part of why we're having prayer revival. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. In other words, he's saying, you're living a life that I did not call you to live. You're doing the things I called you not to do. And because of that, even on your whole nation, I am bringing a plague, a, a correction against it, a famine against it. But he says, if you, decide, if, you, if you finally put down your pride, humble yourself, pray to me, 
Turn from your wicked ways. Seek his face. He says, then I will hear from heaven. You notice it doesn't say it just if you pray. If you pray and keep your pride up, if you pray and keep living in sin. No. It has to include everything. He says, then I will heal from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You see, you may be facing a famine in your life today. Something going on, things. There may be what what I call financial famine. Right? That's the M&M's. Anybody eat M&M's? Oh, I love M&M's. Peanut or plain? I like plain. Oh, peanut. Lord, pray for these people that like the peanuts. But financial famine is M&M's. It's month and money. When you're in famine, you have more month than you have money. When you're walking in blessing, you got more money than there is month. You have something to carry over. But when I'm in financial uh, famine, there's way more month than money. Next is you may be in a, facing some kind of physical famine. That disease, health issues, going through. Thirdly, you may be experiencing some kind of spiritual famine. Where God just seems so far away. But God never leaves us. And God never forsakes us. Nathaniel, go back in the very beginning... In Ruth chapter 1, I think it was verse 19 or wherever it was, right around there. Where it says that she went away. She went away full. You got it? Thank you. Thank you, Nathaniel. I want to thank those guys. They do a great job on the computer. I go kind of go all over the place some, sometimes. Amen. <laughs> Naomi says, I went away full. But notice what it says next. But who brought her back? You hear? Because of everything they went through, because of everything she faced, she lost her husband, her two sons. Everything they went through caused her to go back to the Lord. But she says, you know what? I went away full. If you were full while you were leaving... But I came back, what? Empty. And that's what I talked about last week. Realize when you go away, it may cost you a lot more than you were willing to pay. When you go away, you may find yourself paying a higher cost than you ever thought. So I want you to understand, God through all the way he works, may be trying to correct you, whether you're facing one of these famines, physical, uh, financial, uh, or spiritual famine, God may be trying to bring correction in your life. Look what it says in Revelations 3.19. If you have your Bible, it's the red letters, Jesus speaking. He says, those whom I love. 
his followers. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. See, we may be facing something in our life right now because God's trying to bring correction in our life. God's trying to get us back on the right path. And listen, whatever you're facing right now is nothing compared to what you'll face if you let the enemy win. So he says, I love, uh, those I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. What repent means? Not just saying I'm sorry. That's part of it. Repent means to turn away and go in the opposite direction of what you were doing. That we repent and turn from that sin. 2 Corinthians 12, 6 and 9 says this. This is Paul speaking. He says, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be, I would, uh, not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. Now, understanding Paul's talking about and referring all the miracles that God had performed through Paul. All the people that was reached through Paul's life. All the different things that were going on in, in Paul's life. Is, he says this about, he, say, he, he says this. He says, he says, but I refrain from, uh, refrain from, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. So Paul is trying to humble himself because how many of you know we're all human and we like to take a little credit? God says we are saved by grace, not by works, so no one would what? Brag about it. Like, oh, I earned a little part. God, 99% was you, but 1%, I still got that 1% in. But miracle after miracle... In Paul's life, he says, I have to be careful because if I'm not careful, I'm going to start drawing people's attention to me and away from him. That's easy to do. And he says, all I'd be doing was speaking the truth of what was happening in my life and what God's using me for. But if I'm not careful, the enemy is going to take people's eyes off of, off of God and put them on me. Verse 7 goes on to say, or because of these sur surpassingly great revelations that, that he's got from God, all these things that God had used. And notice what the next part says. Therefore, in order to keep me, Paul, from becoming what? Conceited. See, because God knew that he, he couldn't handle it himself. God knew that as even as, as humble as he wanted to be, God still had to help keep him humble because of all the great things God was using Paul for. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, 
a messenger of Satan to what? Torment me. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord. Take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And then he goes on to say, so I will, not, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that I may redirect, so that Christ's power may rest on me, so that I may redirect everything. God had to allow something, and no one really knows what it is, whether it was a physical thing, a sin thing, we have no idea. But it was there in his life to keep him humble before the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and stop here. This is one of my lines I had that I could stop to pick up on the following week. And next week, Brother Jerry is going to be speaking here. And uh, I just want to say, Brother Jerry and I have accepted pastorialship at Christian Family Center. Uh, They're going to be here next week speaking. We're going to pray over him and his family as we, you know, it's a great thing. That's what I told him. We're We're not in competition with Christian Family Center. We're on the same team. We're trying to reach this community. There's more, listen, there's more people in this community that's not sitting in a church right now that could, they'd have to build more churches if they would come to the Lord and want to serve God. And, and, and uh, thanks. So again, next week, come for that special service in that, in that morning. But as we close today, the following week, we're going to go to part three and from what I'm seeing, possibly part four and five on this message of how we need to learn to wait on the Lord. And no matter what we're going through, we remain confident that God is more than able and more than capable and can do more than we can ask or imagine in your life. Remain confident and wait on the Lord. Don't fall for that old devil come and try to show you, oh, this is the next best thing since sliced bread. And you got to, well, Mr. Ronnie's was better than sliced bread, but that's a, right? Don't fall for that trap. Stay strong in the Lord. Stay rooted in the Lord. And again, if you weren't here last week, please go watch last week's message. I think we still got some notes in the back. They may have a few CDs left over from last week also. Go get those. Serve the Lord. Let's stand to our feet as we close in prayer this morning. If you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, I want to give you that opportunity here today, whether you're in here or watching online. Just knowing that God loved us so much that, first of all, He decided to create you. You ever thought about that? If God didn't want me, He would have never created me. let that simple thought roll through your head if God did not want you for your life in this world
make to be the sacrificial lamb for the forgiveness of your sins. So that a relationship, so the sins can be removed from your life and Jesus' righteousness can be placed on your life so you can regain a relationship with your Heavenly Father and have eternity in heaven by simply believing that God sent His Son to do that. So if you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, I just want to give you that opportunity right now. And just say this simple prayer with me, and I ask everyone just to say it. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and I admit that I am in need of a Savior. I believe that you created me and loved me so much that you gave your Son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe he was raised from the dead, back to life, and seated at your right hand side. I invite Christ to come into my heart to be Lord and Savior of my life from this day forward, to walk and to serve you, to praise you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Um, again, we'll see you Wednesday night for prayer. Amen. God bless you. Y'all please don't buy all the donuts by Mr. Ronnie. Save me three.